I want us to be competitive in what we spend on our students. I want us to be competitive in what we spend on our educators. And I want to see Arizonans willing to make that investment. Welcome to the 25th episode of On the Grid, a podcast dedicated to the Valley of the Sun. It's a place where you can come to meet the creatives and newsmakers taking Phoenix to the next level. My name's Philip Haldeman, and I will be your host. This year's election is going to be big news, both locally and nationally. But we're here now at the halfway point, and the public education movement known as Red for Ed has been the biggest local news story by far, at least in my humble opinion. Teachers and tens of thousands more marched on the Arizona State Capitol in a show of mobilization likely not ever seen in this state. The Sea of Red resulted in a budget approved by state lawmakers and Governor Doug Ducey, resulting in a teacher pay raise of about 20% by 2020. And interestingly enough, all this will play into those elections later this year. But How did the Red for Ed movement begin, and where is it going in Arizona as we move through this election cycle? Well, we have Allegra Fullerton on the show to fill us in. She's with Arizona Save Our Schools, or Arizona SOS, a local grassroots organization that has had a big hand in the movement here in our state. Thanks for being on the show, Allegra. Thanks for having me. Cool. So I definitely want to talk about what's coming up with... uh, AZOS SOS, um, because you guys have a lot of things going on, but kind of want to start with context and kind of let people know where it all came from. Uh, So let's talk about the Red Fred movement. It did not start in Arizona, um, but it came to Arizona. And so kind of take it from there in terms of like where you or where the, the organization or where it started popping up. Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think a lot of like your question can also be rooted in what is your definition of Red for Ed? Like what is what is what context are you speaking of? Is it specific to the walkouts themselves? Because there's definitely that's the most powerful movement that we've seen associated with it. I mean, I'm not really sure where it came from in terms of like other states or something like that. But uh, like kind of like origin stories type stuff. Yeah, stuff. Like definitely. like where first, first, first it was, you started seeing it popping up here in, the, in Arizona. In Arizona, that's a great question. In Arizona, I started to see it in 2017 in little bits and pieces with Wear Red for Ed. And it was teachers and parents and supporters going down to the Capitol wearing red t-shirts to show their support for public education. And, and this was kind of like when... Um, teachers were starting to talk about wanting more pay. I mean, seriously wanting more pay and, and really be telling, starting to tell their stories about why they deserved it, right? We were starting to see that and we were starting to see an awareness that things just weren't okay in our classrooms anymore and, and that refusal to accept it. You mm. know, it was just, it's been, you know, I, I would argue we're at a good 30 plus years of disinvestment in mm. our public schools. And it's starting to really reach that breaking point and people were taking notice. And they were also noticing that it was intentional, that some of the laws that were being pushed through were furthering defunding our schools. That's a good point, because I don't think a lot of people know that. I, I kind of think about it as like how they made racist laws, you know, decades ago, and maybe some still are, you know. Where did that come from in terms of teachers? In terms of teachers, it was teachers being fed up with 
over 35 students in their classrooms. They were being fed up with losing tutors and extracurriculars and having out-of-date classroom textbooks. What would and you they say? Got it, they as, researched. What would you yeah. say? Were, what would you say was a, a law that inhibited them? Inhibited or that like got them started. Exactly, so we definitely yes. in 2017 we saw the school voucher expansion law. Okay. And we saw that expansion. And this was a this was a law that just would take even more public funds out of our public schools. And that started to really get teachers, educators, parents, everybody really involved and really buddy engaged, everybody engaged. And it was on the heels of the election. This was a law that was yeah. actually written by Debbie Lesko. And it was basically initially just for like kids with special needs, right? So yeah, there are, so it's the ESA vouchers. We call them vouchers, but empowerment scholarship accounts. Okay. And the current policy, the current legislation around them is that students with special needs, foster families, military can use these funds and it essentially directly takes public funds out of our public schools to give to offset the cost of private education and in its current the way that it's written it serves a very practical purpose like it does support special needs and you know everyone was okay with this what happened in 2017 is we're seeing this expansion we're hearing trickles of it we're seeing different versions of it starting to go through the floor and it would open up the drop the eligibility requirements. So absolutely anybody can then apply for one of these ESAs, take away funds from the general fund, which again funds all our public schools to essentially offset their private school tuition. And that is the breaking point for many educators and teachers and parents. Saying that's so you're enough. saying the law previously, well, it um, only um, a small amount of funds were being taken because it was utilized by a small group. Basically, um, this uh, law expanded it so that pretty much anybody could use it. Correct. Right? Any anybody could use it, and thus taking more funds. Thus taking more funds and defunding the schools that you know, ninety five percent of our families in Arizona choose public district or public charter schools. So you're taking away funding from those families. And not only that, could you be taking away enrollment numbers as well? You, yeah, absolutely. You could. Um, but it's that's a really interesting point, because if you look at the, the data of like the enrollment of private schools, which private schools use the ESA funds, that's flat. It's like, it's not, we're not seeing an increase. We're not seeing more students coming into these private intuitions, but we are seeing more ESA dollars and more of those other things. So it's not necessarily expanding the reach for new families. It's keeping those families who are already in private schools and giving them public tax dollars to subsidize their private schooling. And so this law was passed last year, um, but um, enough signatures were gotten to re uh, to get it on the ballot so that the voters could decide on it, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, it was passed in the dead of night. It was passed by one vote. And within a few days, a PAC was formed to stop it. And they filed the referendum and gathered in 90 days in the heat of summer over wow. 100,000 signatures to put it on the ballot. So um, in terms of context and, and the Red for Ed movement, what were some of the other organizations that kind of brought it together along with AZSOS? Yeah, absolutely. In 2018, we saw a new grassroots movement be born, essentially, of Arizona Educators United, or if you hear me say AEU, that's, AEU. that's what I'm referring to. And that is a teacher-led movement, and that happened almost 
almost a year later, and it was similar in a lot of ways. Like we saw teachers and educators over their spring break down at the Capitol, watching bills get passed, watching our legislators not listen or not seem to care. Some of our electeds, not all, I should clarify. And they got frustrated, and then you saw them get organized. And during this amount of, you know, you're seeing these wear red for ed just grow and grow with every Wednesday and you know like so what happened every Wednesday so yeah yeah. Arizona Educators United was born on a Wednesday with the challenge of how many teachers can wear red shirts to show their support of public education when about did this happen like late last year maybe this was 2018 this was this year I want to say it was in the winter and I don't have the exact date sure because legislature was in session yeah so like that's kind of the timeline with this so it was uh, it was so we're red Wednesday yes we're for Ed um we saw the walkouts in West Virginia we saw the walkouts in Oklahoma and we saw our teachers starting to pay a lot more attention to what was going on nationally and then locally, like what was going on in their classrooms, right? And it was really, really empowering to see. It was, you know, quite a force. So what was the moment? Well, I know when I saw the march downtown and that was really powerful and all the red shirts for me and I think for most people just kind of watching the whole situation, um, to me that seemed to be a pretty watershed moment. But is was there anything that you saw before that that you could see this something, you know, like kind of watching it. Bubble. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed I, or no, was that March one big thing for you? Well, you thing. know, the March was absolutely like this huge rising and this just really powerful statement. And it was so incredible because you saw so many educators just rise up to this, to this occasion. And I was just so incredibly proud of all of our educators in our state. Um, If you want to like kind of walk it backwards a few steps to kind of figure out, well, how did we get there? It started with the challenge issued by Arizona Educator United. They started a Facebook group. How many of us can wear red t-shirts on Wednesday? And they did that. And I believe it was another week. Okay, great. Let's get more people to wear red. And then that grew into, okay, so now we're still feeling like, you know, we're seeing that we have these demands, our classrooms are this, let's let's do a walk-in. And a walk-in was a gathering, a peaceful gathering outside the front of school, before schools on Wednesday, where parents, educators, teachers all got together in solidarity behind their teachers. We saw folks at that point really start doing the car washes where they would write Red for Ed on their cars. So a lot of really great local organizing happening. And those walk-ins every week grew and grew. Amongst those last few weeks, the AEU leaders took votes on should we do a walk-in, a walk-out, or do a ballot initiative. Those were kind of the three things that were floated by to get the funding that was needed into our schools because they saw what was happening at the Capitol and they saw that they weren't being heard. And overwhelmingly, the vote was to walk out. And then that was in essence a protesting basically right a protest a walkout and then they walked out and they walked right on down to the capitol in now was that the day that was uh i'm trying to remember if there was any walkouts before the big one the capitol was that the one basically and then you did more after that yeah yeah that's a good point and i wish i had that exact timeline i should i could go back and check it but they they voted 
And then they basically, they stormed the Capitol and they were, <laughs> they were there in force for days. You know, it was really quite incredible to see. Were you starting to see like relationships created across schools and districts? Yeah, that- I was definitely starting to see that, you know, and we... I say we, so I helped with Save Our Schools organize a rally to like right around the same time just to really show our support and effort of it. You know, like we support public education. We want funding. You guys want funding. Like we're all in this united front together. And we had this tremendous outpouring of that. And you're starting to see these groups work together, which is really exciting. Um, And you're starting to see really broad community support because that's Mm. my question because like i am like okay yes i support this and my cohorts support this but what about that ripple effect out there you know and so and it's a good point yeah and you did i did i mean obviously you did i mean we've experienced it but like there would be that worry you know doing all this work and and will you see Will you get a following? And you, but you started to see it in teachers and things like that, even students, I guess. Too. Yes, definitely. And I, you know, and I know it's definitely district different in different districts or different parts. But I found the support to just be overwhelming. And I did. I was advocating, and I did a lot of organizing around this time to really encourage all members to get off of social media and to go talk to people, mm. you know, kind of like old school canvassing, calling people. Um, Is that because you feel like kind of social media only goes so far? I, I mean, feel like... like you can get into a bubble, right? right? And I think yeah. that we were all very aware of that in the previous cycles, previous election cycles. And I know that the conversations I have with my neighbors who might not necessarily agree with me on all fronts, We do have common ground, especially in education. Like there is common ground. Arizonans overwhelmingly agree and support that our schools need more funding. Mm. And so you can start on this common ground and then you might disagree on how or where or how much or who should pay, right? I mean, you know, it's we have a revenue problem. That's what it boils down to. But I knew if we could get teachers to be having those conversations with people just within their groups, but outside their groups, that was when we would really start to see right. this monumental change take take shape. So. Um, and obviously they passed the budget and they got it with the rate, the around 20% by 2020 or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. And you know, I think yeah. we could split hairs on will or will not that happen. Right. I mean, and I don't want to dive too deep into the weeds there, but I do think that due to Red for Ed and due for the Arizona Educators United and all of these teachers, they got much more out of this budget and out of this legislation than I'd ever saw. Like we saw 301 funding, which is another funding measure. We saw that pushed through legislative with support. We saw uh, STO, which is a further way of taking monies. And it's a further way of keeping money from going into the schools and privatizing it. That didn't they they cancel it. They didn't even go forward with it. Like we remind me, what what is what is it? St sto so STO, school okay. tuition organization, and it's another method of preventing funds from entering our public schools and putting them into privates. And they were oh, okay. they were geared up and they had the votes and they were going to expand this bill. Gotcha. That didn't happen. And I give a lot okay. of credit to Redfred. So there's a lot of these incremental wins, which I know when you're in the classroom, that might not feel like enough. And it might, you know, and I get that from my, where I'm seated, I am really impressed. And I'm proud to see like, we're making this change because, you know, policy change is never 
fast. It's like, right. you know, it's like a steam liner and you got to kind of slowly oh, turn boy, it. Yeah. And we're seeing that happen and we're seeing it go the, in the right course. And so, Obviously some successes. And um, does the fire burn on? You know, like uh, what do you see? We talked a little bit about the ESAs. That's obviously coming up on the ballot. What are you guys working on to um, continue, you know, this movement towards, you know, teacher support? You know, public education support, that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll go into my Save My Schools role. And okay. in that hat, what Save Our Schools supports is okay. one, vote no on Prop 305, right? Protect our public funds, keep them in our public schools. But two, elect in public education lawmakers, people who support, truly support public education because it is empowering and it is important for us to all pay attention to what's happening down at the Capitol. But then ultimately, it's the job of those who serve us in the Capitol to fund our schools. It's their job to draft legislation and to create budgets and to do things that supports our teachers and our educators. And I would argue that that could be done to a fuller extent than what it has been doing now. And so in my mind, this all relates to this November election and keeping that pressure and keeping public education funding a household everyday conversation. We're also seeing other groups work to directly address part of the shortcomings. So I mentioned we've disinvested in our schools. You know, we know how badly they need funds. And there is um, an initiative that's currently being circulated, which is my way of saying they're collecting signatures to get a measure on a ballot that uh, something we can vote on in November to put more money directly into our schools. And so, again, back to my previous point that these changes are incremental. It's continuing that tide and continuing turning things around where they need to go. We have two that you're working on gathering signatures, um, which, by the way, the deadline is July 5th. July so, 5th. So, so you will probably, you, sh- you will hear this podcast before then. So if you hear this podcast, that means you're getting close to the deadline um, and uh, in terms of getting the uh, the signatures um, authorized and all that stuff but what are those what are those initiatives you're working on so yeah uh, there's the the invest in ed education they're working on theirs which will bring another 750 million dollars into our schools our public schools and so they're they're gathering signatures and then there is also and the investment uh, ed was through it wasn't it wasn't the sales tax was it no this is okay. an income tax increase income tax yeah okay. and it's um, on individuals who make above two hundred and fifty thousand and okay. then couples who make over five hundred thousand and it's an increase of just it's marginal so it's just of the amounts that they make over those amounts it's okay. not their entire. This sorts. is a, this is this is kind of what you're talking about, a, a, like a, a sustainable source. Yes, right? it, it is. It's a source that you know. It's it's always in theory. It's always going to be there. Because right? do we have yeah. a sustainable source uh, resource uh, source of funds for education right now? Aside just the property tax. Or? Um, well, we use very little property tax in our education, which is really interesting. And um, if you look at the pie chart, it's primarily sales tax. And then there is some income okay. tax with it. So it's a formula that, again, not to get too much in the weeds, but right. it's it's one that was started in the 80s. It, the formula hasn't been changed despite the growth and changes that we've seen in our public schooling within the last you know 30 years, right? right? So 
And it, it's just so complicated and it makes it so difficult when you have, you know, like we as citizens, like when you see these initiatives coming forward, (laughs) it's citizens using our voices and we're, Arizona is one of the few states that allows these things to happen. But, and while I think it's really important and empowering and I love the work, penultimately, it's not my job as a citizen to govern my schools and to get them funding. Like that is the job of the legislature. Mm. That is the job of our elected officials. And that kind of goes back to your point of um, getting candidates in there that that, uh, that support education. Correct. Right? Okay, Public yeah. education. Right. Like, and knowing what that means. And now right. we have educators and teachers who really understand what that means. And they know the questions to ask. And go. they know who they can ask. And then, you know, it, it, it trickles down from there to myself as a parent. I'm going to ask my teacher, like, who should I vote for? Mm. Right. And like those conversations are where the change starts to happen. I feel like I'm starting to see more people involved in education uh, interested in running for uh, like the state legislature and things like that. I know Kathy Connect is in Peoria, and I'm sure there's a few others. If you are, are you starting to see that across? Yeah, yeah. Kathy, gosh, she's great. She was she's been in the race for a while. Um, but also on the heels, or like while teachers were down at the Capitol, I I saw and heard of several who just marched right into the Secretary of State's office and declared that they were running. Wow. So we're seeing many educators running for office statewide as a result of this movement. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool to see. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be interesting, uh, you know, coming up in November. Uh, There was one other thing you mentioned about uh, um, in terms of the election, it was the dirty money um, Yes. Proposition that you're gathering signatures. So, Tell people about that. Outlaw Dirty Money is a constitutional amendment, and it has been gathering, the, the campaign's been gathering signatures since the winter. And it essentially brings campaign finance transparency, which you're like, what does that mean? Well, yeah, maybe that'll happen one day, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, to me, it comes down to when I, as an individual, donate to any candidate above $50, what do I have to do? I have to write down my name my address, my phone number, my employer, and it's public knowledge. It goes directly onto the Secretary of State's website. Now, if I had a C4 called Arizonans Love Cupcakes and Lollipops, and I... And C4 is C4. not a PAC, or is it something... It, no, a C4 is not a oh, PAC. it's like a non like It's a non It's a... It's a, um, it's a type of nonprofit. It's a type of nonprofit that okay. can participate in electioneering. Gotcha. And okay. so I give this nonprofit billions of dollars, and then the nonprofit gives it to this pack and this and that there you have no way of knowing that it was wow. me behind it so Thank you for explaining that because um that's you explain it really easily because and i think people it's, it's think it's really complicated and it's not as complicated as you might think maybe yeah that's a great point you know? and i would i would argue that currently the way our campaigns are financed are really complicated so that's why we need this it doesn't need to be that complicated no I feel like, and it you know? should not be and we have the right to know who's right, exactly. funding our elections and then we have the right to know, like, well, why do we have this terrible policy that's not supporting our public educators? Oh, that's supporting that. And it allows us to be more informed and us to have that transparency. And it's transparency across the board. It is not. Right. It's not partisan. And so Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about, like, looking to the future, but also is there anything that you want people to know? Maybe that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, you know, as we look into the future, I I really come back to that, yes, 
it is important to continue to stay engaged and just can just you gotta keep an eye on these things and you have to keep using your voice and you can't be afraid like arizonans we have a lot that we are passionate about and it's time to share that you know it's time to discuss politics and polite company it's time to tell everyone why you feel passionate and why public education is so important to you or why whatever your issues are that you feel passionate about because mm. i think us using our voices and having people come together and bringing everyone a seat at the table is how we start to really see change long term and that's where my eye is like i am right. very invested in these initiatives and these petition drives and i'm very invested in the november election but penultimately it's about bringing back a balance to our state and i know we can do really great things here so. you grew up here right yes yeah. I did. yeah so you went to remind me what high school you went to so i went to alafria high school okay. out in avondale and so well then um definitely i mean avondale was really pretty small you know like 10 20 years ago even you know um what do you think of the growth um in terms of like an educational sphere you know like so like in terms of how many more schools we have or in terms of like their school funding or the options of different well, types of schooling like i mean did we grow too fast or did we deal with that growth yeah in, in a good way you know that's a good question and i don't know if i have all of the the data to make a like fully informed sure. response but what i can say is that when i went to public school back in not that long ago, but now when I grew up going to public school in the 90s, I had a fantastic experience. I had, my schools were funded, right? We had field trips. I had I one teacher, I remember, yeah. right? And one teacher for every grade, every year, the teachers were there. I could go back in fifth grade. This sounds like second maybe, grade. Yeah. I, I think I read a stat somewhere or something like that, that like the, really um, that Arizona's funding towards education really faltered in the 90s or something like that. It's, and that's when I was like, I must have just gotten out right in enough time kind of thing. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And, and same here, like right around the time I graduated high school is when we started to kind of start seeing the charter schools. That's when mm. I started to kind of see, you know, like there's definitely you started to see these different crops pop up, so to speak. And then I went to college, I got my degree in art education, I was ready to become an art teacher. And what by the time I was done student teaching, I was like, okay, things have changed, you know, like even within like that brief period coming in it from that teacher side. Do you mean towards a negative or towards, towards a Towards a negative. Yeah. And part of it also is I understood I was in an elective role and I was like, okay, if I want to really make a living, Arizona might not be the state for me, you know? And so that was years mm. ago. So I went and taught elsewhere. Um, Came oh, and you back, came back, huh? Came back after having my own children, and they're young. So my, my oldest is starting kindergarten. And being the very informed type of person I am, I toured like half a dozen kindergartens to well, figure out where to go. Okay, so this is really interesting. I love this theme of, and this theme comes up on my show a lot, that of people who grew up here and then moved away, learned something about what is important or brought something back to better you know the city or the state or whatever so like where did you um where where did you teach i taught in uh the bay area so okay San oh my gosh so area. there you yeah. go that's a priority on education they have so a priority so on i'm education. curious yeah. what you brought back that was like 
that you knew was right or you know what I mean? Yeah, I saw an investment yeah. in education. I saw everyone from their from parents to teachers to just bystanders willing to put money into their schools and I saw thriving schools, that schools and I was like this is outstanding. Um I taught for several years both in private and the public sector. I moved into organizing like STEM summer camps where I would teach kids how to do robotics or computer programming or photography or and I just was really blown away by the dedication that parents and the whole community had mm. into creating these really problem solving forward thinking learners and I was like this is awesome this is what I want to do I really like this um as I after having my first son there I also got to experience maternity leave FMLA and things that I was a working professional, my husband's a working professional, but, and while we certainly did pay more in taxes, I was so relieved in the stress of this moment of, man, I have this young baby and he has this thing, I don't know what right. I'm doing, and I can just be with him. And it's, I felt cared for by a good employer, by state benefits, and I was like, this is really hard still. Mm. And I'm in a point of such privilege and this is hard and I'm using these resources and they're helping me. And it just made me really, really value and understand like it's it's up to all of us to pay it forward and to take care of those because it can happen to anybody. It's not just, you know, you, when you think True, of people yeah. who use benefits, right. it's, it's people like me. I'm a college educated white woman and right. I use them. So I think about the services and the public service, just how important that is. Wow. And moving back here, I'm working towards my... No, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to know, but what brought you back? So my, I didn't want to work 80-hour work weeks in okay. the Bay Area. And my, my husband also, and he's in software. And we're like, let's try so it, it out. My okay. parents are still here. Right. Family. So you came back stuff. wanting to, thinking you'd go, you'd go back to get your master's or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Okay. After I, I was like, once my kids are in preschool, I'm going to definitely stay in education. I'm going to go. I like working at this level where kind of creating programs. I'm like, I'm going to go become a principal. And then as I started researching and talking and getting in there, and I was like, gosh, how do I best really support educators? That's what I want to do. It became clear that even the best principles are still bound by the policies that mm. they may or may not be able to set. And so I'm like, all right, the change has to happen at the policy I level. I see where you're going. Yeah. 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 So, so, so you came back or you where you're at right now is more towards policymaking and activism maybe? Correct. Okay. Yes. And it, so I have my activism work through Save Our Schools Arizona, okay. policymaking work, one through research. There's a lot of policy work that goes into like getting this stuff on the ballot and really understanding the issues when I'm out training and talking to folks, but also I'm working on my master's of public administration down at ASU. So Okay. Cool. I always like that because um, like I said, it is a theme here and, and there's really... I feel like, because I've, I've lived here, um, I mean, I've lived here most of my life, but I've also gone away and come back. And because I feel like Arizona is always uh, um, the world or, you know, other states are drawing really talented people away from Arizona, you know? Yeah. And that makes me sad. I'm like, they should stay here and, you know, contribute here. You know what I mean? Um, but what I, I do love that is what people, um, is when people come back because, uh, well, when you learn, when you leave and you're, you know, and you're experiencing new, uh, um, situation or environment you can't help but learn from that and I feel like when you when you go through that kind of life-changing experience 
And when you come back, you're in a place to, to change Arizona because Arizona, Phoenix, the Valley is kind of malleable right now. It's not like Chicago, LA, where everything's so entrenched and already decided. You know, we can, we can, we have the ability to make the Valley what we want it to be more so than other place. So I'm really happy that you, that like you chose to come back, you know, because, you know, it helps, you know, it it changes the, the, the landscape here. So. I, well, thank you. And my, I have two points and it's, yes, I am happy to be part of it, but it's not just me. It's the thousands, if not tens of thousands of Arizonans who've heard this call and they're like, you know, we're not, we're tired of being at the bottom of the barrel in our public education. And that also, I think addresses your first point of people leave and it's hard to attract people and to maintain high quality people Look when you're caliber. Well, not just that, but families and talented right. families and CEOs. If you are a CEO moving your company and you want to foster the next CEO or the next, you know, developer, whatever it is, you're going to go to a state that values and invests in its public education. And I think that Arizonans really agree with the sentiment and we're going to start to, we're going to continue to see this change hmm. and turn that around. So what is the paradigm shift that you're seeing? Because you need a, it's, you kind of need a long, like to change things long term, you need a paradigm shift on some level, a change of thought process. So what do you think, are you seeing, starting to see that now? And, and how does it need, how does the paradigm have to shift even more? Yeah, I talk about this a lot. I think it's a really powerful and important piece about the work that we do because once you really start to look and put the pieces together in our public schools and you see how underfunded and how how it's not just you, it's not an accident, mm. you can't unknow that. And once you start taking action and you start going out of your comfort zone, whether you're asking for signatures or having conversations, that also changes how you perceive perceive the world. And, you know, I I hear this a lot with um, people who I met through the Save Our School Strive. They're like, I never would have done this. But like, done what? Like, like go on, go on out and talk to people I don't know and get their signatures. And now I am like standing <laughs> outside of Sprouts in 110 degrees, like a crazy woman chasing people around with a clipboard. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I ever would have done that either, but this is too important not to. And once you get started, that's the beginning of your paradigm shift. And then Mm. other people see it and you just, you can't move backwards. You can only move forwards. And instead of you just showing up, you need to show up and bring three people next time. And then they need to bring three people next time. And that's, that's the grassroots movement is that bottom up organization. So speaking of not going backwards, going forwards, like, um, and I like ask every guest on this podcast about like, where do you want to see Phoenix, the Valley 10, 20 years from now? So let's put it in the context of maybe education. Um, so like, what is the end game? Like kind of what do you want to see public edu- education like in like five, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Yeah, you know, like that, the overarching, like easy answer is we need to fund our schools. I want to see us back at metrics where we are per pupil spending is not, you know, 4 billion below the national average, right? Like I want us to be competitive in what we spend on our students. I want us to be competitive in what we spend on our educators. And I want to see Arizonans willing to make that investment to do so, because that shows that they're vested in our state as well and to say yes this is important having an educated workforce this is this is our economy this is our this is our growth is these 
little people that we have and you know like this is it's our their childhood in essence and wow. so that's what i want to see and i think we're you're going to see a lot of those changes start and just keep at it so like you said you can't go back you know right well yes and in this case we really cannot go much lower so, <laughs> so yeah so that's the well up and up group. up and up right. um well thanks Allegra, for being on the show yeah. i really appreciate it thanks for having me cool uh-huh. Phoenix historically hasn't been a hotbed of protest or activism. I mean, it's not like we're San Francisco or Seattle in that sense. But to see the marches on the Arizona Capitol earlier this year, you wouldn't have known better. Sometimes it's easy to get cynical. I mean, I've spoken to dozens of activists, and one of the questions I always ask is if protests work. Sure, there's evidence of it, obviously. I mean, obviously, during the 1960s and 1970s, when it was life or death, and civil disobedience was applied with great success, but also through great trials and tribulations. However, I never really witnessed it firsthand. In my lifetime, there was post-9-11, when people protested against the war in in the Middle East, but the wars went on, unaffected, and continue to this day. There was even SB 1070 protests against racial profiling here in the Valley, but they just didn't seem very effective either. I mean, look at all the police brutality we still have today. (laughs) Oh, and remember the Occupy Wall Street protests? (laughs) What a joke! So you can see why I might be a little cynical in this area. But, But the Red for Ed protests weren't a joke. The movement got broad support, and they actually made a difference. But it's also... Not like it happened overnight. Volunteers and teachers and everybody in the movement had to keep pounding on doors, keep wearing red shirts, and keep telling their stories. The power is in the root of the word activism. Nobody ever really changed the world by Facebooking. Sure, you can get the ball rolling, but true change comes with action and bringing people together. And that's what Arizona Save Our Schools, Arizona Education Association, and everybody else facilitated. Now... We shall see if the movement continues with such fury. Thanks for listening to our 25th episode of On The Grid. If you'd like to reach us, we can be found at onthegridphx.com or email us at onthegridphx at gmail.com. On the Grid is produced by Chris Ayers. Intro music was performed by local band Factories. They can be reached at factoriesmusic.com. If you're interested in Arizona Save Our Schools, they can be found on Facebook and Twitter and at their website, www.sosarizona.org. And they often hold informative meetings if you're interested in volunteering or just curious about the group. And their Facebook page is a great place to see what's on their schedule. On a timely note, Arizona SOS has been gathering petition signatures for those ballot initiatives we mentioned earlier in the show. Their filing deadline is July 5th. And so, as we do, we feature a local band to play us out to the end of the show. And this time, we've got Phoenix Afrobeat Orchestra performing this groove called I Can't Die. In January, the band held a concert on the Capitol lawn in support of the Red for Ed movement. The band has upcoming shows on Saturday, August 4th at Valley Bar in Phoenix. 
and Friday, September 7th at Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts. And that means it's time for me to sign off. So thank you guys so much for listening to our 25th episode of On the Grid. <laughs>